Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Living Hope Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information about our church, please visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com. So Leroy and Karen are neighbors, um, like physically, like not metaphorically, like they're literally across the street from us. Uh, So it's been a delight to get to know them more, but Leroy is also a seminary professor uh, and has been a pastor, and so I've just really appreciated getting to know them and um, their friendship and their pastoral heart uh, and their wisdom and experience as well, too. So it's, yeah, it's just been great to have them in. So Leroy, why don't you come on forward? I want to pray for you, uh, and then looking looking forward to, to this time. Heavenly Father, it is a joy and a privilege and a gift that we can still meet together with Mm. such freedom. And uh, may we never take that for granted. Lord, this morning I pray for Leroy as he shares. Uh, God, you have been placing something on his heart for some time now. And Lord, uh, by your Holy Spirit and by your Holy Word, uh, that all of us would hear from you this morning what it is that that we need to hear from you. We love you and we trust you. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a joy and privilege of ours to get to know uh, our neighbor, neighbors uh, as well. Oh, my goodness. Um, people who have moved around, if you've moved around a bit uh, from place to place, state to state, as some of us have done, uh, you know that um, you, you don't always choose, you don't get to choose your neighbors, really. Right? Uh, and so you don't always know what you're getting. Uh, but we have got some very special neighbors across the road. And anyway, so we appreciate, appreciate them a great deal. Um, and that kind of leads me into a little bit of what I, I want to just say by way of introduction here. You know, since moving to, to Henderson uh, a little over a year ago now, Karen and I have made quite an effort to, to try to get out into the community and, and figure out what goes on in Henderson since we've been gone for 40 years. And, and there are a lot of people that we should know, including people here in the congregation, but don't ask me if I know your name. I, I see faces, recognize, but um, probably not the names. Um, and so that's been part of the challenge that, that we've experienced. But one of the interesting things that has kind of struck me fairly deeply is simply that as I get to know some of the people and I, it's the next generation and generations below me, I'm, I'm realizing that some of the individuals I'm meeting and that I recognize are in their father's business. And that is they've followed up with their vocation. And that's well, that's interesting. Uh, and so there are a number of people that I'm getting to know who are doing what their dads did, who are doing what their grand, they're just continuing on the family work. So like in my family, you know, my uh, grandfather, grandmother, they turned over the home place out west of town here to my dad, Aaron. And some of you knew him. And so then, uh, you know, uh, he decided to retire and so built a house in town and he turned the home place over to my brother, Brian. And uh, Brian had a son who wanted a farm, and now two, and so he moved across the road, and he turned the home place over to Jared. 
And some of you uh, have had an opportunity of having his oldest son, Aaron, here, and you know it ain't going to him. <laughs> that ain't happening. <laughs> Nuclear physics, yeah, farming, two very different enterprises, as you would imagine. So I don't think that's going to happen there. But nonetheless, it's interesting to watch and to see um, families continuing an enterprise. And it isn't, I mean, this community, it's, you know, there's a lot of agriculture, so I, I, I see it there, but I've seen it in other places and other ways uh, as well. And this is sort of, you know, something here, there is an individual, our Savior, that we're talking about this morning, especially with the missions presentation and so forth. You see individuals engaged in a vocation that's carrying on his work. Well, God's plan of redemption is another, in a sense, enterprise that God is at work doing. He, God started this plan, and he sent Jesus to come uh, and to, in a sense, inaugurate a kingdom. And when he left, we, we just read, we just sang this song together that talks about, you know, um, we're going to be gone for a while, but this isn't goodbye because what's going on is that you, I'm passing on to you the Father's business. You're moving on to the home place, so to speak, okay? And I'm leaving you the equipment, and I want you to keep up the family enterprise. And so whether, you know, we, talk, we understand it vocationally as it relates to the various vocations that we're in, engaged in, but God is involved in the same thing. It wasn't just his vocation. It wasn't just his enterprise. It's every, he has every intent of passing that on to us, those, those who follow uh, him. Um, so God didn't send his son into the world to simply endorse what we're all doing and kind of encourage us and pat us on the back and say, good job with what you're doing. No, God is engaged in a work. And he wants his followers to get on board with that, to take it up as a way of life, to engage in that work. He wants to continue the work that Jesus started. Now, what does Scripture tell us about this? To answer this question, I'd like us to turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 1. And this is a very familiar passage. Uh, in our singing this morning, we sang especially from Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And another very familiar commissioning passage that talks about what the church is about. Acts chapter 1 is another. Uh, very, very similar to it. Now, before we look more intensely at this passage, I just and, and draw out what Luke, the Spirit, is telling us, I'd like to make one general observation here um, from the very beginning that will help us kind of put this in context. The book, of, uh, the book of Acts is actually part two uh, of a sing of really kind of a singular narrative work. What's part one? What's part one? Oh, yeah, actually, you get to talk during the sermon. Woo! Mm -hmm. 
Part one is book of Luke, right? You have the book of Luke and then the book of Acts. Same author, wrote them both. They're almost exactly the same length. They, each one fits on one papyri. Uh, and so they're, they're, uh, it's really a single work um, that's intended to be understood that way. Now notice what Luke would say in his, in his part one. This would be in Luke chapter one. Now many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the Lord, of the Word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. That's Luke chapter 1. Um, chapter verses one and on. And so you can see there that, that Luke is wanting to put together a very orderly account. He's writing it for a particular person who may have been a patron, uh, who may have actually been financing it all. Um, and so uh, he's telling us how we went about it. It's a carefully researched, I, I did all the research. Now look at Luke, uh, Acts chapter one. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus, now, now catch this here. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Now let me, let me put those two introductions together in, in a way that kind of, I think, helps us get this. In part one, Luke says, I wrote an accurate, researched, and orderly account about the life and ministry of Jesus as reported by eyewitnesses who were with him so that you could be confident that what you've been taught about the person and the work of Jesus is true. In part two, I've written about the ongoing story of Jesus as it's being continued through his people who are being empowered by the Holy Spirit to carry on and to expand his work from country to country, from generation to generation until he returns. And so the book of Acts then, and this is, this is really what's key to this. When we're reading through the book of Acts, what we're really reading about is the ongoing work of Jesus. It's what he's continuing to do. Uh, Luke was what he did. Now it's what he's continuing to do. And so today what we can actually say is that as we are engaged in missions, as we are engaged in discipleship, as we are engaged in worship, we are engaging, we are a part of a vocation that Jesus began and he's passed on to us and we're continuing that enterprise. We are involved in the work that Jesus started. Now, this passage that we're looking at, verses 1 to 11, kind of divides up into two major sections. And I'd, let's take a look at the first one uh, here uh, that really begins where we just started reading. And then in verse 3, it says, After his suffering, he showed himself to these men, and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, 
which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, if I were to kind of try to think about that, those five verses together, I think what I'm hearing Jesus say is that Jesus is engaged in building his kingdom after his death and resurrection, and he's doing it, he's doing it through his people. He's doing it through us. He's doing it through us, and he's doing it through his spirit. You know, it's a pretty big deal, if I'm thinking about my family, it's a pretty big deal for my dad to turn the home place over to his son. Pretty big deal for my, my brother to turn the enterprise over to his son. Pretty big deal, really. Uh, that's a small deal compared to this. Imagine God the Father and his son Jesus Christ, who came 2,000 years ago, uh, he came to inaugurate an eternal kingdom that is for all time and all eternity, for all of the universe. And he started a work to inaugurate that and to show us what it can be. And he, he went to heaven. And before he went to heaven, he said, I'm giving you the home place. I'm turning it over to you. I'm giving you this, all the work that I've done thus far, all that I've invested in, all that I've committed, all the equity that has been already, I'm turning it all over to you. That's pretty amazing. I mean, I think about what we've been given by Jesus. And what kind of stewards he's calling on us to be then. So really, as we look at this here, uh, he's, he, we're told here that... Um, he was taken up to heaven. We're talking about his ascension. He gave instructions and so forth. So what does he mean? A couple things here. First, as I mentioned, Jesus, Jesus inaugurated the current expression of the kingdom with his coming. Simply means he's, Jesus is the rightful king. He's in charge. He sets the agenda. He's delegating responsibility. And the, the neat thing about all of this is that I don't have to make up something new here. It's, it's already been set in place. I'm carrying it on. And so Jesus, the crucified, resurrected, ascended Son of God, he is now, he's now Lord of all the universe. Lord of the universe. And we work for him. Imagine that. We work for him. We work for him. I'm not working for my dad. That, that's a big thing. No, 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 no. We, we work for the Lord of the universe. Second, if we're wondering what kingdom ministry should look like, it should be in keeping with what Jesus was doing. What he was commanding us to do in his physical absence. What was Jesus doing? What's the work he was doing when he was here? Well, we know one thing, he gathered together 12 individuals to whom he was going to pass over the farm, and he was going to give that over to them. And so in doing that, we know that 
they were called disciples because they were following him, and he was teaching them how to carry on the family business, his business, the business of the real father. So he's helping them figure out this is what it's going to look like, and that was to make disciples. That's how the church is built, by making disciples, not by making converts, not by building constituents, not by initiating new legislation, not by constructing new buildings, not by naming it and claiming it, not by electing new Supreme Court justices, not by having the greatest worship team on the planet, and yours is really good here. Nothing wrong with these, but that isn't the primary family business. And it, the, the church is really having to struggle with this. What is the father's family business? What did he command in Matthew 28? Go make disciples. Go make disciples. Go make disciples. Teaching them to observe all things I commanded you. Make disciples. That's, that's the family business. That's what Jesus did while he was here. Now there's a second thing here in verse 3. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. We talked about this in Sunday school, didn't we now? about apologetics. He appeared to them over a period of days and spoke about the kingdom of God. You know, Luke realizes, as, as his mentor Paul argued so persuasively in 1 Corinthians 15, that the entire kingdom enterprise is built around the resurrected Son of God. About the resurrected Son of God. The gospel is empty without it. There's no good news, there's no spiritual transformation, there's no hope, there's no promise of eternal life without the resurrection. And so Paul plainly says in 1 Corinthians 15 that if, that if Christ didn't rise from the dead, then we are still in our sins and we are uh, above all people to be pitied. False hopes. And so Luke assures Theophilus and us that Jesus' resurrection is a well-attested fact. He tells us in, in another place, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, that Jesus appeared to 500 people. So over the course of his, his uh, resurrection, his, post, his pre-ascension ministry, he appeared to 500 people. In, and all of those were basically alive at the time of the writing here. So these could all be verified. And Luke wants Theophilus to understand that. To know we're basing our faith on what seems to be an incredible fact in history. And it's a fact because it corresponds to what really, really happened. Jesus rose from the dead. So what's the point? The point is, as we know, is that, you know, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. It's not that we're pretending that he's alive. It's not that it's simply the Bible says that he's alive. It, it's that he's really alive. It's, a, it's true. Death couldn't hold him. The Jewish leaders and, and the Roman politicians couldn't stop his mission, could they? The kingdom is advancing because 
the resurrected Christ is seated at God's right hand and he's directing everything from the place of absolute sovereign authority. No one can interrupt. No human power can alter or thwart that. You know, it's interesting, the Jewish leaders are obsessed with killing him in the last period of his life, right? They're just obsessed with it. They're planning, they're strategizing behind closed doors, and they think, if we can just kill Jesus, our problems are over. And what they don't understand, that in God's amazing sovereign plan, as, as said in Scripture, in the Old Testament Scriptures, that Jesus must die. And in the end, they were just simply in their madness cooperating in a way with what God had planned. And they bring about the very thing that actually would end up destroying them. But bringing life to the world. They thought they were going to bring dead to a movement. All they did was give the movement the very life it needed. The life you need. The life I need. Because Jesus rose again, and today he's ascended at the Father. Everything is orchestrated from there. Everything is from there. And no power, nothing can thwart that plan. His, his plan is advancing, no matter, no matter what. Um, how many times have we devoted our time and energy to some project, some enterprise, only to realize at some point along the way that it's kind of futile and it's all for nothing. Have you ever done that? Oh, yeah, thank you. It's like one honest person in the group. One. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm I'm betting every one of us has done that. And somewhere along the line, we begin to realize, oh, oh boy, okay, this, this is such a waste of time. And how much? And then you know we put so many resources in it, and it sucked it all in, and now we feel obligated to finish it. And it's like uh, I don't know why I'm finishing this. This is such a waste. And that's part of you know the human dilemma. We we don't see the end from the beginning. We don't always know exactly where things are going to end up. We have ideas and plans and visions of what we could do, and we don't do all the right calculating. And sometimes we end up short, and we say, "It yeah, this 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 is a failure." Well, okay, with Jesus conducting business from God's right hand, is there ever a failure? Uh, no, the answer is no. Just in case you were wondering. The answer is no. No. We all are a part of a successful endeavor. It will never fail. The degree to which you and I invest in that endeavor, that we are engaged in that endeavor, you're engaged in a successful enterprise. You're going to be successful. I mean, for someone who who I, I can talk about a lot of failures, things that uh, just didn't go quite right. Uh, this is welcoming news to me. It's wonderful because this is not a failure. I mean, um, farmers always talk about having a failed crop. You know, they, they always do. Things are always bad. Uh, and uh, we all know that that ain't true. 
right? And so, but, but every, every person, every farmer in the community here at some point has had some failed crop or some failed enterprise, and that's true of other businesses. But with God, that business never fails, never fails. Jesus said, I will build my church, and what? The gates of hell will not prevail. Throw at it the worst thing you can think of. It doesn't stand a chance. With Jesus' enterprise, his business of building his church, it will not fail. That's why that ministry in Thailand, that's why that ministry is going to succeed. That school teacher in that school is going to succeed. Why? <laughs> why? Because she's so great? Well, she probably is great. But is that why? No, it's because Jesus died, rose again, and ascended to heaven and is conducting the family enterprise from the Father's right hand. And he's going to ensure that his word won't return void. His work in building his church is going to succeed. Oh, it may have problems, as it undoubtedly will. And as most of us have seen in many other places, I, I'm sometimes just shocked what I throw my money at. How about you? Sometimes you wonder, why did we, why did, yeah, why did we buy that rag? <laughs> you know, where did we put money into that? Okay, do you want, I mean, we want to be a good steward of our resources. How about putting it in, investing it in an endeavor that never fails? Some banks fail. Now, some of the investments I've made, they, oh yeah, they failed. But with the building of the church, it never fails. And yet what we know is that by and large, uh, Christian enterprises uh, don't really have enough resources to do the things they could. And that's because all of us, in some way or another, have invested in things that fail and have not invested deeply enough in the things that don't. And that's the kingdom of God. I mean, you think about the rationality of that and say, hmm, how does that, why? Why? Well, continuing on here, um, our, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, and you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And really, what Jesus is simply saying here, and as we know, he sends them back to Jerusalem after the ascension. He says it's going to be 10 days. It's going to be on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after. And so, what we realize here is that Jesus isn't just sending them back to the family farm, so to speak, to, to work with the old machinery that that they had acquired. No, he's actually, I'm, I'm going to give you a new, I'm, I'm going to set you up new and different, not like before. You're not going to just continue the way things have been. I'm, I'm going to ignite this thing with a new power, and it's the Holy Spirit, and he, the Holy Spirit is coming. And he's going to engage. He's going to be the power behind this new vocation. That you're continuing. 
from the Spirit. We saw it working with Jesus, didn't we? We saw the power of the Spirit. And he said, that same power is coming to you. It's coming to you and me. I, I'm fascinated by this. Uh, I teach theology with college kids, and there's a section that's called pneumatology. Pneumatology. Big, big word just means the study of the Holy Spirit. That's all it means. And so early on, I, I put out a little quiz, and I learned every, every year, every semester, same thing, 70% of all the students in the class refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. As an it. Like it's the force from Star Wars. The Holy Spirit is an it. Is the, no, no, okay, okay, we've failed. The Holy Spirit is a person. And it's a person that was sent to indwell us, to fill us, to seal us, to empower and engift us with spiritual gifts. It's to fill us with such joy that we produce the fruit of the Spirit. It's the Spirit that convicts us. It's the Spirit that regenerates us. We're living in the age of the Spirit. That's the age we live in. And yet, we are... Honestly, we're so woefully ignorant of the Spirit. Ah, because of all the controversy and things. Francis Chan, a wonderful writer and speaker, um, wrote a book called uh, Forgotten God. And a wonderful book, uh, Forgotten God. It talks about our abysmal forgetfulness about the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit. That's, uh, and again, for us, there's, there's a need. I mean, if God has filled us with the Spirit, if we've been baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ so that we are, we are all one with one another and one with Jesus, Jesus and me and Jesus and you and we and Jesus, that's the point. And that's, that's what runs the family farm now. That's the new fuel I remember tractor fuel, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's old stuff. No, today, today it's the day of the Spirit. Now, let's turn in our, here, let's turn to uh, verse 9. And I want to close with just this last part of the story of this here. Uh, and so, we read here, after he said this, that is, he, he's told them, you're going to be my witnesses. Again, we're all really familiar with that. You're going to be my witnesses. Uh, and you're going to start in Judea, you, you know, here in Jerusalem, going to Judea, Samaria, and it's going to go all the way to the end of the earth. And so, um, he's looking at these 12 guys, and he says, yeah, your farming operation is going to start in Jerusalem, but it's going to end up at the ends of the earth. That's a big farm. That is a big enterprise. And he says, that's how far this thing is going. There's no end to this. Those are some long roads to harvest. Um, so he said, he, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men, dressed in white, stood beside him. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back 
in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is a really funny story to me. It's humorous. Okay, just, just picture. Jesus has just ascended. The Shekinah glory, the cloud spoken of in Daniel 7, envelops him. And this is amazing. And they're all doing this. Everybody is like this. And it all disappears, and they're still looking, and they hear a voice. And it's like, Matthew, shut up. We're watching. You know, it's, it's like, this is all going on. And suddenly, two guys' voices they don't recognize say, hey, what are, you, what are you looking at? What do you mean, what are we looking at? This is the greatest show on earth. No one has ever seen this but us. No one. And the next time we see it, it'll be the end of the age. And it's like, why are you standing? Men of Galilee, why are you standing there? It's like, why are you standing there? Okay, so if that had been me, here's what I would have said. Hey, guys, I know this is a really emotional moment for you. Um, teddy bears for everyone. And you know, um, I know you're having a little bit of anxiety and a little separation syndrome going on here. And maybe we could just take a leave and spend some time in a safe place and talk about it. This text is super austere in that sense. Like, there is no emotion at all, there's none. And it's like, I, I'm sure there was, they, they were feeling emotional, but that's not what you get. The angel says, what, what are you looking at? Why do you stand here looking into the sky? And I think it's a mild rebuke. It's a mild rebuke. And it's like, um, I thought you heard the marching orders. I thought... You were aware of what Jesus came to do. I thought he told you to go to Jerusalem and wait for 10 days. And you're looking up into the sky. What are you looking at? Everything is clear. Everything is clear. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering if perhaps um, in the day in which we live, in which there are so many profound moments, I'm wondering if if maybe you, me, others are not doing this. Are you coming? When are you coming? Things can't get worse. Are you coming? And I kind of sense that there are angels standing around us saying, what are you looking at? <laughs> Why are you standing here? I thought... Jesus, the one who's ruling from heaven, who is really the owner of the family business, I thought he made it clear what you're supposed to do. Why aren't you doing it? Hop to it. Come on. Let's go. We got work to do. If we're going to take this thing to the end of the earth, you're not going to do it by this. It's not going to happen. And I wonder at times how diligent we are, as the people of God, in going about the business rather than, oh, if Jesus would just come today. I mean, I yes, I long for that. 
Oh, things are so bad, they couldn't get worse. I, I, he's got to be coming soon. Well, maybe so. Things can get worse, I can assure you that. But what's, what's the mandate? The mandate is to be watchful, but to be watchful means to be busy, carrying out the Father's work so that when he does return, we'll be prepared. And to be prepared is to be busy carrying out the Father's vocation. How are you doing that? How are you engaged in that? Everybody's supposed to be engaged in it. Not just Pastor Luke. <laughs> Not just his elders. Everybody. How are you engaged in the family business? What is your part? It's a challenge I want you to think about today through the week. What are you doing? Or are you busy carrying out the Father's agenda? Lord Jesus, we thank you for the way that you have engaged us. We thank you that, Lord, you have entrusted to us such an amazing thing. You've given it to us. And, Lord, it, you, we know you're supervising, and it isn't just ours to do whatever we want. You've given us your spirit. You've given us the power to do it. You've given us one who guides and direct us, directs us on how to do it. Jesus showed us how to do it. You give us the instruction manual. It's, it's all here, and, and Lord, help us not be distracted by all the other things that the world could give us that would cause us to lose sight of why we're here. Help us, Lord. Help us. Show us. Help us invest in the one enterprise in this world that will never fail, that will always bring about a good return for your glory and honor. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have any questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com or email me directly at luke at livinghopehenderson.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.